Good morning and welcome to Prairie Doc Radio. We're so happy to have you listening today. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is here in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. He really is today. We're going to kind of have an Ask Anything Day today. We have no guests in the studio. Any questions you might have of a medical nature, you give us a call. Uh, Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and he's also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. We're going to do anything you want on this. Come on, give us your call, 692-1430. You know, if you you asked about uh, ticks, we would talk about it. If you asked about... Uh, cold exposure, we would talk about it. We, if you talked about, if you wanted to know about the Sailing Academy uh, Regatta. Sailing Academy Regatta. I'll bet that's not top on their medical uh, list, but you never know. Uh, we would talk about that. But okay. we would we would answer any questions. We would love to have your calls. So uh, 692-1430, please give us your calls, and then we'll, we'll go there. I'd like to, I'd like to um, have a, uh, a show about that. But before we do... Yes. Let's talk about tomorrow night's show. Yeah, it is. It's on incontinence. Oh, that's always a fun topic. Uh, that has to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's m- the majority of uh, people who have uh, problems with uh, urinary incontinence are generally women because they have a different method to shut off the waterworks than do men. And of course, you know, women's, the distance between the bladder and outside in a woman is a half an inch or less than the distance between a bladder and the outside in a man. Well, it depends if it's Bob, it's could probably be. a couple feet, you know, or, <laughs> uh, and, or it's could, a it distance. depends upon the guy. It's truly it's, a it, distance. And how you, how old he is. At least a few more inches than a woman, right. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Dr. <laughs> but uh, it's more protection than what a woman has, and there's the point why women have more problems Problem with, with incontinence, incontinence and also problems with bladder infections. Go back to the old Kegel exercise. <clears throat> We're going to talk about Kegel exercises. In fact, if you watch the show tomorrow night, there's a lot of good things uh, to go in there. Yeah, Bob? I just wondered, does childbirth enter into that particular well, malady? It, well, it does. And uh, we used to think that it had to do with how you delivered, you know, and if, you to- if it went too fast and if your doctor was really good and slowed it down and made it happen without tearing the muscles that surround uh, the uh, bladder area and the rectal area, and then you wouldn't have the complications. And we used to do episiotomy uh, cuts uh, where you would put uh, scissors in and cut it in a controlled manner in just the right way, and then you'd sew up the episiotomy. Uh, Now we don't do those anymore, Uh, but that's the old... Uh, thing we found that all it did was introduce infection it didn't help anything it didn't save any anything uh, and it just caused more problems than it solved Um, that said the problem with urinary incontinence uh, with childbirth has more to do with the baby's head pushing against the nerves that go down through there and the nerves being injured that's um, interesting. It uh, wasn't uh, the muscles, it was the nerves. It's that were the injured. nerves that are injured by the pressure of the head of the baby. At least that was the theory I read a couple of years ago. Now, I've heard also that there's some disagreement with that. So, in other words, yet another area in medicine where controversy uh, continues to boil and people differ. 
But I think that there's, uh, there's probably, the real answer is probably there's multiple reasons. One might be that the nerves are destroyed by the head. Others might be that there's certain things that are uh, torn. Uh, others might have nothing to do with any of that. It might be just uh, uh, the amount of exercise a person does. And so when you exercise, it makes all the muscles stronger. And the exercise uh, of the, uh, the muscles in, the, uh, in that area uh, keeps them strong. And so they can hold tight and keep the urine back and then relax when it's the right time. So there's a, there's, it's, a multi, it's a complex story. It sounds like it. You know, uh, I can mention this because my sisters aren't in the area. One of my sisters, uh, from the time she was a young girl, had really con- bladder control. I mean, you know, if she laughed hard, she'd pee. If she <laughs> cried, whatever, in, Before it she would had just babies. happen. Oh, when she was a teenager or even younger, she always had a was problem. Was she in condition, though? I mean, was she an active, oh, physically yeah, active yeah. person? So that, that didn't have No, she was very active. Just like, I mean, that age group, she, we all... Were Nobody physically active. There wasn't even television when we were kids. That's how old we are. And running we were outside, kick the can, football with the boys, everything. So I have never quite understood her problem, but it must have just been something she was born with that she didn't yeah. have the control. Yeah. Huh. You well, know, I the, it, the the best story, and I'll tell I'll tell this story uh, uh, is that I had a oh she was in her early eighties year old patient who came in and she had been self-cathing all her life, since 20s. Uh, and a lot of people, by the way, self-cath. They have a catheter that goes, you know, that they can put in the right spot, they know where it is, and they can get it in uh, to the bladder and then they empty their bladder periodically and if they don't, uh, it'll retain. I mean, they'll hold the, the fluid until it's, it's, it's terrible and then it'll be full and distended and then it'll just constantly dribble and then it destroys the bladder so uh, self-cathing if you do it correctly is not a dangerous thing and many people live just fine with it thank you including men and women okay so she'd been self-cathing her whole life and a healthy person otherwise right no problem just an 80-year-old sharp character who had lots of opinions and you sure didn't want to disagree with her. And it was one of those, yes, ma'am, I, I'll do that. Whatever yep, you I'm, say is what, right. You're, uh, you know, a headstrong person, and that's great because it's probably why she lived into her 90s. But when I examined her, I found over her tailbone something that I've seen maybe one time before uh, since, uh, and that is uh, there was a kind of a bulge uh, like it was a little fat pad there, and I put pressure on it to, you know, to just to see what happened, and the bulge went down. And then I let go of it, and the bulge reformed. And so it was a fluid-filled cyst that emptied somewhere. Well, what could it be emptying into except the spinal canal? And so what she had was uh, a uh, meningocele uh, where. Uh, there, when she was being born, uh, there was a sac that went through the spinal canal and out under the skin. Um, and oftentimes, nerves will get caught in there, and that's why some people who are born are paralyzed uh, and have a paralysis at the waist uh, that is a birth defect. 
uh, that, but she had a birth defect that was unknown. No one had known all these years except that, that I found this cyst that it would, would go away. And she lived with a numbness in the area of her pelvis where uh, she didn't have control of her bladder and she had to self-cat. And Very interesting. I sent her to the Mayo Clinic when she had a problem with this or that. And I said, this is an interesting case. You may want to you may want to just kind of see her for this other problem. And, oh, by the way, she has what I think is a partial meningocele that didn't paralyze her. And, indeed, that's what the Mayo Clinic says. They didn't remove it. No, they didn't do it. Nobody did a thing. She lived that long with it. You weren't going to do anything to it. She was in her 80s when I discovered it, and it was into her 90s when she died from heart failure. That's fascinating. Oh, the human body is fascinating. On that note, we're waiting for your calls. Give us a call, 692-1430. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Dr. Rick Holm is here ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. And we were just talking about uh, the program that will be on the air tomorrow night, South Dakota Public Television, 7 o'clock Thursday night. And it's a repeat of a program that Dr. Holm did on incontinence. And so we spoke about incontinence, which we probably pretty well covered. But I do know that Dr. Holm is going to uh, be at a conference in September, and the conference is on obesity. When you live in South Dakota, you might notice that there's a few overweight people. I mean, if you lived in New York City, you'd see fewer overweight people. But you live in South Dakota, you do see more. It's the Midwest, not just South Dakota, Minnesota. It's just a heavier population. So you're doing a conference on obesity. What are you going to say about it? We don't know why people have this problem more now than before. We don't understand it. More now than before. Yeah, it's worsening, uh, particularly with our youth. The theory is, of course, the kids don't exercise enough. They're not outside. Uh, And once you gain weight, uh, it resets your your body weight uh, control mechanism so that you're going to weigh, if you stop gaining weight at that weight, you'll stay there the rest of your life. If you gain more weight, you're going to, you're going to, your body's going to want to be there the rest of your life. And so uh, I think it's imperative that we try to keep our kids relatively thin. And the way to do that when they're young and when we are young is to, to maintain the weight where, where we want it uh, and not to let it, you know, oh, I'll lose it later, you know what I mean? Or I can eat everything that I want now because later, you know, oh, gosh, it's catching up with me. Well, I'll lose it now. Chances are, once you got it, you've got it. It, Your body sets itself at that level. And um, so what does that mean? Here's the the thing that I'm going to be asked to talk about, and that is, uh, and they asked, they called me about this conference, and I said, I want to talk about a, a bias against obesity. Um, uh, our whole world has a negative bias about obesity. We have a feeling, oh, they're uh, lazy or they're just a glutton. Um, And so, you know, that's been the theory that people commonly uh, have. And the answer is that there's a lot more to it than we know. For example, people, when they have a baby, they will oftentimes gain uh, back uh, to the weight that they they gained when they had their baby. 
some of them will lose it, but some of them can't get rid of it. It comes right back to where they had gained, and then that's their new uh, weight. Uh, and uh, the, the, the studies show that the people who are heavy eat less than people who are thin. Um, That's really hard to believe, too. It's hard. People yeah. won't believe me. I tell it all and the time. This, there's da data to, to say it. Well, some people overeat, uh, and I'll grant you that. But the truth is that many, many, many people who are overweight are constantly trying to diet. And I actually had two heavy people actually lose weight and maintain it two years. And their diet was under 1,000 calories per day. Which is pretty low. And it took Our them two years to maintain Our average diet is it. three times that. An average diet. is 3,000 calories. Yep. An average. average American diet is at least 3,000 calories. If you go to a, uh, a regular fast food uh, uh, meal, uh, it's generally 1,200 at least. If you have a malt, uh, one hamburger, and french fries, that's, a, that's more than 1,000 calories. If you have a glass of wine at night, you know, a glass of wine is probably 300 calories. A cookie is 200. Uh, if, you, if you really learned how many calories were in the things that we, you would eat and you said, I'm going to set myself at 1,000, or let's say you want to lose weight at 1,500 because that's the weight you really need to, if you're going to lose weight, you need to stick at 1,500. It's... It's a significant reduction in the intake. And if you talk about these two people who maintained it, they, they're at 1,000. They've gone, come up from six and 800 a day to 1,000 wow. for maintenance. And the, the part of the reason why I maintain my weight is not that I watch my diet, although I try to watch it and I'm not really good. I think about what I ate yesterday. It was terrible. I couldn't help myself. I skipped lunch and then I gorged. So that's Skipping bad. lunch isn't a good idea. But I'm going to run 10 miles today. Or to try to make eight up for it. tonight. Yeah. Well, it'll make up. You know how many miles you have to run to lose 1,000 calories? 10 I'm, miles. Come on. <laughs> Just to lose 1,000 yeah, calories. Yeah, I mean, 1,000 oh. calories, you got to run a long distance. So, I mean, the point I'm making is, oh, I'm going to increase my exercise a little bit, and I'm going to cut back a bit. Nah, it doesn't generally work. It might keep you from gaining, but it's sure not going to help you to lose. No. Right? And so the bottom line I'm making is that uh, we're getting heavier on, in this world, and we're seeing a lot of heavy people. Do you and think they're, they're beautiful? The way it isn't their weight that makes them beautiful. It's their their compassion for others that makes them beautiful. It's their caring way that makes them beautiful. It has very little to do with their weight and they can't do much about their weight i mean um i think they can maintain and we should all endeavor to eat better uh, and balance our diet and we should also endeavor to exercise at least 30 minutes a day or briskly walk 30 minutes a day but i think we should endeavor to love each other for what for matters what we are right i do have a question though i often consider it more of the cultural factor that it's included in the weight because the Midwest is noted for being heavier. If you go on the East Coast or the West Coast, I think there's a cultural ex expectation not to be heavy. And they're just lighter weight on the East than the West Coast. Well, and, 
and it it's just the way it is. Well, and so they must be eating. What are they doing in order to yeah. maintain that culture? Do you I think I imagine this or I don't have no no. Uh, but you know, it depends upon where you're at too. I've seen uh, you know, Joni and I were in the airport together um, the other day or last couple weeks ago, and just looked at the people. And the comment is, you know, we're we're in a heavier area now. We're in a less heavier area now. Um, it doesn't mean better people or worse people or, you know. No, I'm just saying the expectations yeah. are different it is. from areas. Uh, and it might well be that people in New York City, for example, they are younger. Because oh, in, in New York, they're just basically younger. When you get to a certain age in New York, you get the hell out of there. Because you move to the suburbs because you can't keep uh, going. The right. second thing is, is when you're in the city, you can't have a car. So you're either biking or walking uh, and uh, to the subway or whatever it might you're be. You're hoofing it a lot more than in the Midwest. Right. Well, Midwest, you pop in your car no matter what. It is an amazingly important thing to be active physically uh, for all reasons. Bob, you're going to say something. Just thinking. You were just, I, you know I, I, that never really dawned on me, but I suppose maybe it has to do with the, just our accepted diet here. Maybe we'll eat more potatoes or I don't know. Yeah, I the don't know. diet may, may not be, the cultural may yeah. be the diet that we find acceptable. Kielbasa's on the street corner maybe are healthier than driving through a fast food place. I don't know. That could be. Well, well we don't have the answers. That conference should be interesting. We'll hear about well, it when you get back in September, right? Yes, and, you know, okay. I'm trying to form my, my ideas of what I'm going to discuss. Uh, and so uh, that's part of the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about that today because okay. if you I, I think I talk as I think or I think as I talk or something like that and it comes out and it works and it helps me good we're going to take a break again give us a call if you'd like with any questions you might have we'll be back right after these words hi welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio Dr. Rick Holm is here answering any questions you might have of a medical nature my husband has a question why did he get a tick last night he just stepped outside to barbecue for a few seconds he never even stepped on grass he was on the deck and a tick was on his arm. How did that happen? Yeah, because I, I saw uh, a tick dropping uh, scenario under a certain tree. Hundreds of ticks dropping. <laughs> you know, they, they're, oh, they're, they're coming after. out of the trees. This is how they're in the trees. You walk underneath the tree. They see somebody underneath the tree and they go for it. Uh, they're in the grass. Uh, they did a study in uh, New York w uh, that... Uh, within uh, in every square yard of grass, there must be like eight or ten ticks, uh, and they they carry ex you know the exidiodamines that carry the tick the um, the the um, the uh, Lyme disease. Uh, but you know here we don't have the Lyme disease, but we have a lot of other things that the ticks carry. I mean the ticks are uh, if you look in the world of animals, they're the dinosaurs that eat. Things. They're, they're the aggressive Tyrannosaurus rexes of the world. Uh, they, they live by drinking blood, and they go for it. Um, mosquitoes are the same, only it's the woman mosquito, the female's mosquito, that uh, needs the blood to, to, uh, care, to feed her eggs. Uh, so she'll uh, be doing it, and the man won't be biting. Uh, so the, the, um, the mosquito in this area, so far... Uh, according to Lon Keilinger, is not the kind that's going to be carrying um, the the dangerous virus from uh, Zika, the, the Zika, Zika vi virus, and so uh, 
uh, we're probably going to be safe if unless we travel to the south, southern parts of the world or unless we're making love with somebody who's who's been in the southern part of the world. And southern can be southern south or southern U.S. Uh, this summer, so they're going to be very aggressive. They're going to be worried in the south. I yeah. know they are. And it's just it's just a frightening thing, especially for women who are. Uh, of the age to have children, it's just, it's got to be scary. It's going to destroy the, uh, the tourist industry for many areas of the, of the world, the South in particular. Uh, the Southern, uh, or the, the Central American and the South American countries that depend on the, the, the tourist industry. It'd be interesting to see in a couple of years if they do research on uh, birth numbers I'll bet they go down in the South because women will avoid getting pregnant. What do I you think? I bet they will. Yeah, I so will. the numbers could go really, really down on that. Who yeah. knows? Right. Interesting. Well, we have we, a question. What, well, we do have a question that came in. Did uh, we finish the top? I think, uh, well, the main, major ticks. thing yes, is you, is covered it. What can you, you do can protect ticks? yourself from ticks by, the, by using mosquito repellent. And by the way, you should be using mosquito, mosquito repellent anyway. And I like the idea of spraying a lot of it on your clothes rather than all that on your skin, although a little on your skin isn't so bad. And I mean, I just wouldn't soak your kids in it. You know what I mean? No. Soak their clothes in it. If you're out uh, in dusk and dawn, that's when they come out really the worst. And so be careful. Don't go out in the dusk and the dawn or cover them with the mosquito repellent, uh, but that will help. mostly with the clothes. So long sleeved clothes outside dusk or dawn. Okay, I'll tell them it was the tree. It could be Son the tree. Gun fell I mean, right trees, out of the tree. It'll, it'll fall em. out of trees, yeah. but it'll be everywhere else too. So. Well, we mentioned that we'd like to have a call, so we had a gentleman call in, and he uses the CPAP at night. He gets a very dry throat. Is there anything he can do? Uh, is there an alternative to the CPAP? Why don't you explain first what the CPAP is for well, those who don't apnea, know? Obstruct, uh, obstructive sleep apnea is something that uh, people get older, their, their neck gets softer, tissues fall in, and uh, uh, they snore at night. They didn't snore when they were younger. And uh, when they snort um, and snore and obstruct, then it raises uh, the death rate. The death rate in an Australian 13-year study changed from 6% when you didn't have it to 33% when you had it. Sleep apnea. Sleep apnea caused death rate in 30 to 65-year-olds over a 13-year period from 6% to 33%. That's a 500% death increase in death rate if you have sleep apnea. Rick, why do we only hear about this from you? I mean, you think that'd be major news out there? It it should be, and it I'm be. I'm shouting pretty loud. I know you are, and I think it's important. I mean, uh, if it's saving it's, lives, I mean, it's you so look, worth it. You think about the 500 percent difference in death rate with a reversible, reduce it back to six percent with CPAP, compared to cholesterol, where you have a 20 percent difference, and it's not reversed by the lipid lowering drugs. Where is our priorities? But that said, let's go back let's to Let's go back CPAP to the question. Because we're almost Gets out of time. It's a very dry throat with the CPAP. And the answer is, I don't have a good answer. I mean, they do humidity in the CPAP uh, air, and I think it helps some people. It doesn't help all. Uh, and uh, I think I would I'd do uh, these mouthwashes that sometimes, sometimes can help Bob. Lemon glycerin that yeah. they sometimes right, use? right, right, right. So I think I would do those things. I like throat lozenges when before you go to bed. Maybe you know I don't know. Saliva is different than water. 
water can dry things out. Maybe it is the humidity. If uh, get rid of the humidity and try that. I mean, you know, I don't have a good answer. I would say that some people are just dry. But you do have a good answer to this question, though. Is there an alternative to the CPAP? And the answer is not really. Uh, actually, I the knew mouth, you had an answer for the that. mouth answers and the teeth position things are only effective for mild sleep apnea, which is not that risky. The moderate to severe, they don't work. So don't depend on it because think about the dangers there. So I would, I would beg you to, to, uh, to think about, and if you don't tolerate the CPAP, learn to tolerate it or keep bugging them till you get a mask that works. Or well, the other thing is when you have a CPAP, you have a provider, and you can go back to that provider and say, this is drying out, this is causing this problem, and they want to help you and right. work with you, right? I think the other thing is, remember, a lot of medicines can dry your tears up, dry your mouth, your saliva out. And so think of that as a possible source. Look at your medicines, talk to your doctor about your medicines. Push your doctor on CPAP and sleep apnea if you have heart trouble or there's a risk of heart trouble or if there's new atrial fib if there's any heart failure those are reasons to talk about sleep apnea make sure you don't have it there's a simple test a sleep desat test and find out and we're running out of time okay thanks Dr. tomorrow Holmes. night incontinence don't you forget it we hope you've enjoyed our prairie doc radio program and we'll listen again for prairie doc brought to you by the avira medical group brookings as always you can hear and see more from dr home online at prairiedoc.org Thanks for joining us today. Thanks. That's all for this week, Rick. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And stay healthy.